0: Good afternoon, listeners. My name is Lakshya Gupta and I'm a junior at Tompkins High School and part of the outreach team for the Computer Science Club. Welcome to my first podcast. I would like to welcome Mr. David Graham. Mr. Graham is the co-founder and chairman of the board for Code Ninjas and the chief executive officer for FranchiseR. Mr. Graham took Code Ninjas from inception to one of the world's largest and fastest growing kids coding franchises. Code Ninjas started in 2016 and has over 250 locations all around the world, including America, Canada, and the UK. Mr. Graham, welcome. I would like Thank to. You know, I would like to know how did you think about starting Code Ninjas?
1: Yeah, uh, so I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and so whenever things uh, kind of an idea pops in my head, um, you never know when that's going to happen. Um, I was a software engineer for a number of years, so kind of always had software on my brain. And I, I taught adults in a coding boot camp called Coder Camps um, about five years ago. And um, I was in my kids' Taekwondo class right here in Pearland, in, in Masters Taekwondo, and <clears throat> um, they had nine belts on the wall. And um, I remember it was kind of like, here's what you can earn style you know you know so kids can know what belt they're on and where they're going and uh, my class at the the classes i was teaching adults at the time it said it was a nine-week program and i said well maybe we could do like a belt a week you know because nine nine whatever it just kind of i was just thinking about that kind of stuff and i said well adults really don't like that but kids do you know kids really get into being able to see those levels. And that's why it worked, martial arts worked so well for them. Like, you know, milestones. And so that, that kind of initially set the, the idea in my head. When we started to do the, the brand, the branding, um, I always liked those like old Kung Fu movies with the paper dojos and stuff. And so we, we wanted to make sure it was kind of like a weird mix of the two worlds of martial arts and computer programming. So a modern paper dojo is what we tried to to build out as far as the look and feel on the inside of our dojo, of our centers. Um, and then we, we wanted to be the place on after school that kids could go and have fun uh, as opposed to just more academics because they've already spent time at school um, and they don't want more of that. And this is, coding is something that you can do for fun. So that's why we brought in the video game aspect. So, kids come to a paper dojo, a modern paper dojo to learn how to build video games and um, have fun with their friends. So that's kind of how that all started. Thanks for sharing your interesting background.
0: Uh, My next question will be, did you always want to be an entrepreneur?
1: I think so um, at some level. I mean, you know, as soon as I could, I started mowing yards and making money on my own and, and, you know, and and kind of conspiring with my neighbor friends and kids to do more lawns and get more more people involved Um, so it was always a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit my dad was an entrepreneur I come from a large entrepreneurial family so I do think that it starts it starts young um, for sure
0: thank you for your insightful answer I will now move on to my next question
1: how did you get interested in coding um, I've, for as long as I can almost remember, I've been into coding. Uh, my, my mom and dad bought my, my older sister, she's seven years older than me, on her, um, I guess she was about 12 years old, uh, for Christmas one year, um, they bought her a uh, Commodore VIC-20, which was just basically a glorified keyboard, keyboard that could hook up to your computer and had basic A on it. Um, I was only five, and I turned six pretty shortly thereafter and my sister kind of just relegated it to the corner and never used it so I, I picked it up and just started copying programs out of a book and I you know at the time I just kind of wanted to make the robot dance on the screen and and I thought that was cool but later on I, I got more into it in, in high school and in middle school um, and I was always just kind of drawn to it I loved that it. it was a way to build something that no, not, at the time, not a lot of people knew how to do it, so it was kind of my niche in the world that made me kind of feel special that I could throw something off. And your imagination was the only limitation, so uh, whatever you could dream up, you could do. And it, to a large degree, that's why I still like it.
0: Thank you. That now leads me to my next question. Um, so now, uh, what difficulties did you face initially with Code Ninjas?
1: Oh, there's a ton of stuff, man. I mean, you, you've got always got to balance your growth rate with um your capability to support the growth um you got to have enough money to do it um and then um you got to be able to make a superior product and make sure that customers appreciate it and they they know that their voices are heard when they have an issue make sure that they you fix the issue and, and 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 take customer concerns into consideration Good
0: to know the challenges you
1: faced. Uh, When is the earliest kids can start to learn how to code? Well, like I said, I I started very young. I I don't know that every kid is ready to start at at five or six years old, but we have a Code Ninjas Junior program that is specifically built for five and six year olds. And they, they, for most kids, that's fine. Um, It's very drag and drop. It's not a lot of typing, so they don't have to use a keyboard. Um, I think the fundamentals of programming, which is really just kind of problem solving and, and some Boolean logic type things, but that, that, that basis is a good starting um, building blocks for a, a broader understanding of computer, computers and computer science later. So I think five or six is probably mm-hmm. the earliest okay. you really want to engage.
0: With. Okay, thank you. So uh, what do you think about software in general and its future?
1: Yeah, software in general is uh, a pretty broad topic, right? I mean, it's proliferated itself throughout every aspect of our lives. Uh, you know, your appliances in your kitchen have more processing power than we sent people to the moon with. And it's pretty amazing um, to think about that, that lifespan of what, 55 years or 60 years, uh, that much technological change to, to really turn um, the whole world around. And in the future, I, I think what we're going to get to more and more is that uh, com- right now, in order to program, it, um, you got to kind of adapt to the way computers speak. Um, you got to understand their logic. And I think more and more we're going to see it going until computers are able to adapt to the way we think, and they're going to start recommending applications that are kind of, I won't say pre-baked, but they're 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 kind of um template it maybe and in a way that they can kind of get us down the path uh, to solve some real business problems that a layperson can do it
0: mm-hmm. okay thank you and now that leads me to my next question so what areas of application do you see for it to be applied in the future and to be pursued in college
1: well first of all i, I would say that college is um the best thing about college is meeting the people who are like-minded. So whatever you go into, make sure that you make some friends and and that and and they're like-minded with you, because those resources are the most valuable aspect of that college career. And if you're just looking for academics and what to study, um, there is such a wide range of things to, to focus on today. Um, Certainly AI and machine learning is gonna be on our list. Um, You know, robotics to the degree that I think that uh, will be prolific in the future. I I don't think that's something I would focus on right now because the the basics of that is more um, an electrical engineering problem than it maybe is a software problem. Um, I think you're probably gonna look into, uh, if you wanna go into that more hardware software interface realm, I would look at the IOT world of things where you you make really small interactive devices pretty easily.
0: That now leads me to my next question. So um, what according to you are the top five most used computer science skills and technologies? and uh, why do you think so?
1: Yeah. A top five list huh uh, so, computer science skills, um, the ones that are used or the ones that should be used? Um, The ones that should be used. Okay. Um, So uh, generally speaking, I think you should have a a specific purpose for all of your, uh, for all your different frameworks and builds. Like right right now in the web world, um, Angular, I think does a pretty good job of having distributed frameworks throughout with, with MPM as their distribution mechanism. Um, and I think that's gonna be uh, an important concept moving forward. Now, then you take things like Docker and you have microservices to run those application blocks uh, in, dis- in distributed ways so that you can scale quickly. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, probably even under that is, is all those dockers have to be hosted somewhere. So going into Azure, Microsoft Azure, or AWS, or even Google Cloud and understanding how those technologies are, how how they're gonna be useful and to save you time and money, that's gonna be important. Um, You know, the next steps, I I think the skills in in really understanding um, the fundamentals of programming, I can't tell you how many programmers i've interviewed who graduated college and couldn't tell me the fundamental data types of of their of their particular programming languages just really understanding what does it mean to have an integer what does it mean to have doubles what does it mean to have floats and what are the levels of precision for those and and how does that affect the performance of an application Um, those may seem like antiquated ideas but they're fundamental to understanding uh, any programming language and so a very good programmer that knows those things and knows how your loop constructs work or your boolean expressions uh, are, are formed and, and bitwise ma- magic happens um, I think can go in to, and learn any programming language you know basically over the weekend or at least you know within a week and, and be pr- pretty proficient um, and the last thing uh, I, I think that is often um, a skill that is not really talked about as much is people get really dogmatic in our industry about a specific technology. And I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> and what I can tell you is there is no right way to do it. There is no perfect framework. There is no, one isn't better than the other on its own. There's a tool called programming and that and that tool, you know, um, has to be used for the right purpose. Um, if you pick C sharp or C or F sharp or uh, Swift or, you know, Python or whatever you're writing in, it has a purpose. It has something it's good at and there's some things that it's bad at. So I, I would look at every problem with open eyes and not get dogmatic about this is what I've seen before. This is what I know. So this must be the best way to do things.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and You know,
1: that's that's the I'll give you a bonus one is um, the skill that you need to be able to learn do very well is you need to learn very quickly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because things are always changing. Thanks for the insight.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, My next question will be, uh, what would you advise kids in school who are still figuring out what to study in college?
1: You know, kids in college aren't are just becoming adults. They're you're just become you're just burgeoning into this thing called adulthood. And despite what adults might want to tell you, they haven't got it figured out yet either. Um, it's it's a learning progress. So don't put so much pressure on yourself to figure it out early on. Um, take some classes that are unorthodox. You know, take some if you're in you know going into computer science, maybe maybe throw in a biology or a chemistry or a even you know some liberal arts studies that aren't necessary for your major. Um, get a broad, get a broader understanding of the of the greater world, um, and I think you'd be better for it. Now, once you figure out, hey, look, programming is for me. Um, focus on it, hone in on it, surround yourself with good people that are going to support you through that process. Um, when I was in college, I, I had a a group of people. Uh, you know, four four other friends and me, we called ourselves the fantastic five because we're super nerds. But um, those people I still call today, you know, if I have a problem or an issue that I'm working through, um, they're still my go to block. And, you know, we all had different skill sets. One's a database engineer. I'm more of a web based guy. I'm on the, you know, .NET and Microsoft bandwagon. Other people with Apple, got a couple of Googleites out there. So, it's very good to have a breadth of friendships in and, 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 and these, and these groups of people. Um, and I, I think that's actually what you get the most out of, out of college, as I said before. But So that's what I would focus on, is building those relationships.
0: I completely agree with you.
1: Uh, what do you
0: think about the recent computer science areas like robotics, AI, and machine learning?
1: All right, well, those aren't very recent. I think about them. I think we like to think that everything is brand new. Robotics have been around, you know, years and years and years. I remember in the 80s uh, visiting the GM factory in my hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana, and talking about how robotics were going to change the industry. That was in 1987, and so that's not exactly a new science. And it did change the industry. I mean, obviously, we all heard the, the. the stories about how uh, robotics have changed uh, man- car manufacturing and the manufacturing process. Um, I do think AI and machine learning um, have some new new tricks up their sleeve, but I don't think they're particularly useful um, in the short term. I think we have um, I think we have some guys walking around with big hammers but looking for big nails when you should be you know building tools that are solving the problems at hand um, instead of building you know, building a big tool and looking for the problem to solve with it. That's kind of the problem we see right now with AI and machine learning. It sounds good. So my next question will be,
0: uh, how do you think that this can become part of high school curriculum?
1: Well, it was part of my high school curriculum. Uh, I don't know if it's not still taught, but um, certainly I think uh, a cursory course in programming would help almost everybody, irrespective of the, the, Program um, that you're going to go into, or what you're going to be when you grow up, you know, it's it's definitely a it's definitely a useful mindset. Just how to think about a problem, isolate the problem, break it down into its parts, distribute those parts amongst the team, and then work together to to come up with a singular solution from those parts. I mean, if I just took those five steps right there, that could be law, that could be medicine, that could be engineering. Or programming, of course. So that systematic way of thinking should be should definitely be. And that you know, you asked me, how is it going to be? I think the problem in, in, in implicit in putting those in those high school courses is that um, it's not an easy topic um, to 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 make um, a full year course out of. Um, and you don't have teachers that are usually proficient in it i mean i'm sure there are some but just to make it a you know statewide kind of proficiency that would be pretty tough um, to have enough teachers for it so the how is you've got to come up with a system by which you can teach a great number of people with a limited resource pool and so i would think that there would be some kind of distributed learning um, some kind of Workforce solution where a single teacher could te- teach at multiple schools with teacher assistants in the classrooms. Uh, I've, I've thought of a lot of different ways to tackle that problem, and, uh, but it would take a well, it would literally take an act of Congress um, to make some of that happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Thank you. And uh, do you, do you have something similar to this in Code Ninjas?
1: We do, we have Code Ninjas Pro, which is meant for um, 15 and up. Um, so it, it is a distributed network of, of education. Um, you do the work during the week, uh, a few different little assignments uh, at home. Uh, if you need help, you chat with somebody online and then you come in on the weekend um, on Sunday or Saturday and or, or after school in your case, it, might, it would work that way too. Uh, and do a practical uh, learning exercise on what you you learn so it's kind of a flipped classroom where you you do the exercises at home and then you do the practical work Um, you do that sorry you do the learning and education stuff at home and then you come in and do the practical um, work in, in the in the classroom with a helper
0: that sounds like a good idea and uh, what are uh, some other initiatives that you are working with after Code Ninjas? Just...
1: Yeah, so uh, look, not too much in the um, coding education space anymore. I am um, always an entrepreneur at heart. One of the things that you guys, um, some of your younger siblings might be interested in, I suppose, is uh, we have started XP League, and XP League is an esports gaming league for kids 7 to 14. Um, it's pretty exciting. We got about 20 locations across the country so far, and just sold into Canada. So we'll be moving that out. Um, it's very popular and doing very well. Um, next, in, next, and we also, when we were building Code Ninjas, we built a platform of software and services that any franchise can use. So now we're extending those, that, that software um, to be more broadly um, commercialized um, for, for all franchises. And so that's kind of what we're working on those two. Those are two of our main projects. Thank you.
0: And uh, what is the one message that you would like to give to the students as a takeaway
1: from this podcast? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I think it's always a good idea to keep an open mind about what you're going to do. Uh, programming uh, has been a fulfilling endeavor for me for many, many years. Um, it, it has given me just The best friendships of my life have stemmed from coding um, groups and and people that I've worked with. Uh, I would say if you're interested in writing software or being a computer scientist, um, it's all about who you're working with. It's all about learning from other people. and, And so don't forget about those soft skills when you're going through it. The computer is gonna listen to you if you speak its language, but you're gonna have to work with other people along the way, so make sure that you you beef up on how to communicate properly and effectively.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast and providing the insightful answers. Uh, I'm sure they will inspire other students to take uh, computer science as a career. I wish you good luck for all your ventures. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm.